Lord, we do thank you for this Advent. We thank you for this season where we are reminded, Lord, to be longing for your coming again. But also, Lord, we are reminded to celebrate that you have come and that you have conquered death on our behalf. And so we have great reason to rejoice. Now, Lord, as we uh, look at um, look at the fact that you are our, our peace, uh, help our minds to be able to grasp this concept, uh, quiet our hearts that may be thinking about other things, so we may be encouraged by you. And uh, Lord, would you be in control of my words so that your name may be glorified. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. If I asked you to uh, close your eyes, And think of the first image that comes to mind. What image do you think of when I say protector? Some of you may think of a soldier. Some of you may think of uh, a police officer. Some of you may think of God. If I said uh, savior, what's the first image that might come to mind? Maybe maybe, uh, a, a superhero that comes to save the day. Maybe Jesus on the cross. If I was to say to you, peace, one that would allow you to experience peace, what image would come to mind? As I was thinking about this, uh, Jesus is at the heart of what peace is. But when I when, when the word peace first comes to my mind, I think of a lot of things. I think of like vacations, you know. Places where there's no stress, maybe a beach, you know. I would think of my mom, who was oftentimes the one that was the... Okay, we're just going to... Excuse me. Think of my mom as oftentimes she was the one that was the reconciler of our family, you know, bringing peace. But it, it took some time before I began to actually think of Jesus Christ as the ultimate image, as the ultimate example of peace. We're going to look in the book of Isaiah today. And we're going to go to the ninth chapter. Then we're going to look at verses six and seven. So if you could, please turn to the book of Isaiah. It'll be up on the screen as well. And it reads, starting in the sixth verse, chapter nine. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of God and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts. We'll do this for unto us, a child is born. So we, we first are, have our entire understanding changed because usually when you think of who's going to be coming to bring peace, you don't think of a baby. 
You don't think of a kid. You don't think of, of, of a child that, that, that goes against all expectations. And the reason why we had to have a child was, was so that we would see God being fully man and fully, fully God able to pay for sin on the cross in a way that we kind of can wrap our minds around, right? Like if, let's say God did not come as a human and he just came as God and put himself on the cross. That would be, that, that would be some, we, we wouldn't, we would be able to say, well, that wasn't too hard for you. You were God, right? But if he was just a man and not God and was just a man and went on the cross, we would say, wow, you're just like any other martyr that has gone before you. But by him being fully God, he was not only able to, to come down, dwell within a child, go to the cross on our, on our behalf. And so his humanity, he experienced everything that we experience as, as humans, temptation, pain, suffering. He experienced those things. But, but because he's God, he not only died, he ascended and rose. And no man can do that. And so this prophecy is foretelling of one that's going to come. That's not going to be what you expect. It's not going to be this Messiah who comes with great power and flips over every army. No, he's going to come as a child. And this child will establish a government. It's going to have a government upon his shoulders. And look at these descriptions of how, how it describes this one that's going to be the savior. These descriptions are wonderful counselor. Wonder. This, this idea of a miracle. This idea of, of never, never experiencing anything like this because he's going to perform miracles. It's going to be mighty God. Now, some of you have names that have derivatives or connected with God. Maybe your name might say like one who praises God or one who loves God. But most of your names isn't mighty God. <laughs> You, you, you didn't ascribe this name to children, but this name is going to be that of this child that's going to be born. Everlasting father. While all the kings of that era wanted to be known for their dominance and their rule, no king was associated with eternity. No king was thought of as being, being able to be present forever. And so this, this child is going to come and establish a new kingdom that will last forever. And he is our prince of peace. Now, peace is a concept that is it's a little difficult for us to understand because uh, we, we, we have a lot of ideas in our culture that tell us what peace is. There was an era of peace where you had the peace sign you know what I mean? There's that era. Even now, we shoot the deuces, and you know, when we say peace. Um, we're, what we're thinking is like, have a good day, you know, or have a good time. Or, or we think of peace as just being able to relax. But peace actually is a, a term that's describing a number of things. It's describing wholeness, describing health, describing security, well-being, prosperity, and salvation all working together in unity, in a beautiful harmony. That's what peace is. 
And so the peace that, that this child will bring is not just a peace where you feel good. It's, a, it's actually a peace where all things are working to bring God glory. That is the peace that we will be able to experience in him. But as you know, the Bible is written within history. And the Bible is written within a situation. And I don't know about you, but I most often long for peace when I'm in situations that are not peaceful. So what was the environment in which this text was written? We got King Ahaz. King Ahaz. This guy is known for being, uh, for not reflecting God in his leadership. So you have the Assyrians they're coming, and the Assyrians have all power, all right? And then on this side, you have um, Syria, and you have Palestine, and they're on this side. And they approach King Ahaz and say, hey, king, the two of us are going to fight against Assyria because Assyria has all the power. Why don't you come roll with us? King Ahaz says, no, actually, I'm going to go to Assyria and say, hey, Assyria, I'll line up with you, and let's fight against the two of them. That works. The Assyrian king trumps the two of them, knocks the two of them out. They now come underneath their leadership. But then the Assyrian king turns on Ahaz, the leader of the people of Israel. And so now this this Ahaz, who was the king and said, man, I thought that that the Assyrian king was going to be my savior. Now I see he's now going to make me a little puppet as a part of his kingdom. Where's the peace that I long for? And so Ahaz, he, 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 he did a few things that were kind of crazy. He uh, offered up children as sacrifices. He, he tore down some of the uh, statues and some of the monuments that were used in worship. He tore those down. He's known for idolatry. And ultimately, uh, he's known for worshiping the God of Damascus. Now, remember, Damascus, all right? Because we're going to see Damascus again later. And Damascus was one of those first two that tried to link up and fight against the Assyrian king. So that's Ahaz. And in the midst of, of being now a pawn in the Assyrian king, he says, Isaiah comes to him and says, this child is going to bring about peace. How does Paul describe peace? Paul describes for us in Ephesians chapter 2, he says in 14 and in 18, he says these words. He says, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. For through him, We have both access in one spirit to the Father. For he himself is our peace. Now, Paul is one of our our historic Christian fathers. I mean, he wrote uh, so much of the New Testament, giving us understanding of of theology that applies within the local church. How can Paul say first that Christ is our peace? And then explain how peace is then experienced between people. 
Well, Paul's life is actually an ultimate, a, a great example of peace. If you would, turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. And it's, it, it's a story that's a little bit long. We're going to flow through it. But there's points within this story that I, that I want to bring out. We're starting at verse 1, chapter 9 of Acts. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Now, Paul's name originally was Saul. What's he breathing? Threats and murder, right? Against the disciples of the Lord. So Saul is a persecutor of the church. He's now hunting down Christians. Breathing threats and murder against disciples of the Lord, uh, went to the high priest and asked for asked him for letters to the synagogues at where? Damascus. We're back at Damascus again. And what's happening? There's believers in Damascus that now Saul wants to come and persecute and actually drag them back to Jerusalem. Uh, So that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. There's a, uh, a word that's been used quite often lately in our, in, in, our, in our culture because of some of the atrocities that have happened all over our world. Um, and that word is terrorism. That word is terrorism. Uh, and it, and it's, at, its, at its essence, it's, it's the use of violence to, to intimidate, to punish uh, for, for a greater cause. And so I was doing some research, and I found some scholars saying, man, this, this guy Saul, before he became Paul, would have been labeled a terrorist. And right back in that same city of Damascus that, that Ahaz had all types of drama in, now we see Paul headed there to cause more ruckus. He's ready to now go after any believers. But what happens? Excuse me, I lost my place. And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told, you know what? I'm sorry. Let's keep going. I can read it from here. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who who were traveling who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul arose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. 
Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. Now this, this name is, is all throughout the nation. People know this brother Saul brings pain. This brother Saul brings violence. This brother Saul, you don't want to cross paths with. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. A cho- I'm sorry, I say there, brother, a chosen instrument of mine. Now, isn't it interesting that these people see this man as one that's going to bring pain? This one as, as a man that's going to bring a destruction. But God sees him as what? A chosen instrument. Instrument. Could it be that our God sees something within us? That will reflect his peace before we see it? Could it be that our God has said for every person who comes to know him that you too are a chosen instrument? Do we see ourselves that way? Do we see the way God sees us and the way God uses Paul here? He says, for I will show him. Go ahead, my brother. He must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food was strengthened. So here we see, we see a man Go from being the enemy. Everyone within Damascus that was a believer would have tried to run and hide from this man. Now we see him taken, used as an instrument for God. But not only simply an instrument, we see something happen in Ananias. Ananias goes from being an enemy of Saul to being a caregiver of Saul. Ananias isn't just, uh, he's not labeled as, you know, the head of all Christianity in Damascus. He's not labeled as uh, the head of the church. His title is merely a disciple. A disciple. That God chooses to use to be a part of of Saul experiencing this peace of God. And so now what happens as a result of Saul experiencing Jesus as his peace? He then rose and was baptized, taking food. He was strengthened for some days. He was with the disciples at Damascus and immediately he proclaimed who? Jesus in the synagogues. He is the son of God. Why, why, why are we spending time on this? Why are we looking at how, how Damascus 
was a, was a place of great drama, great tension, great war. When we hear, when we see the scriptures written that Jesus is our Prince of Peace. Why do we see Saul, one of the greatest writers of, of, of biblical books, also have an experience in Damascus? Why am I bringing this up? Why am I showing that, that, that this man who was evil then became one who helps us understand what it even means to experience the peace of Christ? I'm doing that to help give us the proper framework for how we are to engage evil, how we are to engage sin, how we are to engage people. You see, we should never, ever try to put means of peace before Jesus being a person's peace. We very often want people to experience no violence. We want people to experience Jesus has to be the first experience a person receives because nothing else will stand. No other, no other truce, no other nonviolent movement will allow for people to experience true peace. Because peace is shalom. Peace is all of these things working in a harmony. So let, let, me, let, me, let me fast forward us a little bit. Jesus Christ is our peace. We have a couple of situations that are taking place in our nation today. We have a Syrian conflict with refugees. We also have another, another situation taking place where it seems like we, we need peace. Uh, and, and a police brutality, there was recently a video that came out about a young man named Laquan McDonald that, uh, that, was, that was killed by a police officer in Chicago. So there's a couple pictures behind me that are um, bringing some attention to those events. And if you don't know about Laquan McDonald, Basically, uh, there's a video that was released about a year after this young man uh, was killed by officers. The officers said that he, he lunged at them, uh, and, uh, but the video shows that, uh, that that didn't take place, that the young man was killed. But the, peop- the reason why this picture is up is uh, in Chicago, uh, on Black Friday, protesters stood in front of all of the, a lot of these stores that would have been frequented to say, hey, these injustices are happening. You can't just continue to go about life um, and shop like you would any other day. We are going to uh, force, you to rec- force you to engage with these topics uh, and not, li- not allow life to just continue on. And then we have uh, the picture of, uh, of, of our world and trying to bring some understanding to uh, some of the Syrian conflict. But notice, today, what is the capital of Syria? Damascus. Damascus. We, we have biblical understanding of tension, of, of war taking place of terrorism taking place in Damascus. And so we as believers, we as believers are called not to ask, not to ask for peace in the way the world asks for peace. See, what the world wants for peace is both parties agree to disagree. 
what the world calls peace is both parties having a ceasefire. Is a ceasefire shalom? Shalom is when I want your good and the harmony that I experience in me, in Christ, because I know that I have been reconciled to a beautiful God. I want you to have that too. So I don't just want to cease fire and still hate you. I want to cease fire and see you now empowered. Cease fire and see you now uh, celebrated. Cease fire and see you now rejoicing in the king. You see, we as believers, the peace that we advocate for has to start with Christ. It's not only with Christ. I'm not saying we don't want ceasefires and those things as well. But how many of you have been in arguments where you stop arguing, but you still got that stank in your heart? Come on. I got some couples in here. You know, I got some some parents. If you've been a child, if you ever had a friend, just because you're not physically fighting doesn't mean fighting is not happening in your heart. And the only thing that it takes is you to do that one more thing again and watch what happened. See, we've been seeing this same thing happen within Damascus, within Syria for generations. For generations. And we're longing first for each of these each of these entities I'm longing as a black person. I'm longing that, that, that white cops who've killed black people because they hate blacks would come to know Christ first. I'm longing for that. And that repentance would happen. Consequences happen. All of that. But would you have been able to write Paul's story Based on how his story started, I would have saw if 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 the whole aim is just for a ceasefire, if the whole aim is just for a calming down, Saul would have never become this great man who who helped us understand the beauty of our Lord and Savior. So I don't know where I am in my notes. But what I'm trying to what I'm trying to challenge us to is seeing Jesus Christ as a prince of peace. And then what he does is he says, now, because you get to experience my peace and who you are as an individual, I then will make you a peacemaker. I then will allow you to be one who now allows people to experience my peace through you. But it had to start in your heart. It had to start in my heart. And so I love that we have people that are passionate about justice. Passionate about seeing the poor cared for. But if we don't bring Jesus with our justice initiatives at the helm of our justice initiatives, whether you start at the beginning with that being a conversation or you have it at the end, make sure it's a part of the conversation. And what both of these, both of these things should be doing, whether it's the Syrian issue, refugee issue, police brutality issue, what it should do is create a longing in each of us 
for Jesus to return so that we may fully experience the peace that he wants us to experience. Yeah, we've been reconciled. But there's this concept of of already not yet. You guys experienced it today. How many how many of you when we when 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 Mike our worship leader was leading us stopped and said, um, "Hey guys, I want you to greet your neighbor." How many of you gave somebody a hug and smiled? Yeah, you know, it's all right. Y'all might like somebody in here. It's okay. <laughs> you know, you friends, you know, you you gave him a hug, you smiled, you experienced peace right here. But I guarantee you somewhere else in our nation somebody experienced pain. Some somebody might have got robbed while you were hugging somebody. Somebody might have got stabbed while you were hugging somebody. Some some I won't go too deep cuz we got kids in here. Some type of Assault on peace took place. And Jesus is saying, man, while you guys have a taste of it, you get it fully in who I am. I am going to make everybody experience it fully when I come again. So the first example was what you can experience in me. Don't miss it. The next time I return, all people will experience it. Forever. That's why he's mentioned as everlasting father. And so Macav, what am I hoping for happens as we long for our savior to return? What I'm hoping for, what I'm really hoping for is that each one of these international events and national events would cause us to examine our own heart. I had a, a, a ugly conversation with myself in the mirror. Well, maybe not because of what I saw, but that okay, that'll work too. Um, but but I was I I began thinking about Syrian refugees, and I was thinking about man, like okay, so let's say, and, and I'm not even going to get into the conversation of how many we should take and all that. That's another conversation. If there was a family that was from Syria here. Would I take them in? So this is a national discussion, but I I had to bring it home. And for some reason, I began to wrestle to say, okay, maybe. Okay, Leon, but okay, you hear hear all the conversations about, but what if they're a terrorist? Okay, but but that that was Saul, and then he was changed to Paul. So even if one of them is a terrorist and they get Christ, they can be very different. They might start proclaiming Jesus. Okay, that might work. Okay, let me let, let, me let the word you go, like, work in me. But, but what I really came to grips with was that I probably would be more likely to take in a Syrian refugee family than I would the brother who's sitting on a crate with a sign up at Gratiot when I exit. And he says, you know, we'll work for food. Would I, would I take him in? had to wrestle with that was getting nasty you see i I think there's a peace that that we want others to experience and we all want to go and be you know be about justice and be about be about the lord's provision and people being able to experience it but family we are here doing life here and I'm not saying don't give to organizations that help advance things in syria don't don't try to help refugees i'm Go about it in a variety of ways. 
but let every experience we have help us reflect on how to be missional here. What it looks like to be missional here and what it looks like to have a heart that experiences the peace of God and now wants to extend that peace to others. Wherever I landed on taking in the brother or Syrian family, I'm still in process. But I'm inviting you to enter into processes like that as well. This Jesus, he is our peace. And if you have not yet accepted Christ into your life, your heart is just a microcosm of these world wars going on. These, this tension, these, these issues of strife, no matter how good your life might be, that's what's taking place in your heart because you're rebelling against a holy God who wants to love you. So we want to invite you, give you the opportunity to experience true peace found in Christ. But for those of us that have accepted Christ into our life, now may you be encouraged until he comes back, long for his return, but also be an advancer, be a champion of his peace. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the peace that you give, for it is everlasting. For it it will come as only God can bring it. That's why you are our mighty God, everlasting Father. It is a miracle that we get to experience your peace. That's why you are said to be wonderful counselor. And Lord, you are our Prince of Peace. May, may we learn from your word how to live out your gospel. May we long for your return where all tongues, nations, and tribes will be able to experience your peace as we submit to you. In Jesus' name we pray.